everybody, the con artists here. We're here to talk about our uh, end of course shows for winter of 2022. All right, so uh, we're on a bit of a timetable today, but let's all say hi really quick. Everyone's on the cast, so there's me, Sue, Scott. Hello. Dan. Hey there. And Brendan. Hiya. All right, so I'm excited to see what you guys watched. I trimmed my list down a bit this time. It was nice to not have too many shows. I don't know about you guys. I'm excited to see what's up. Oh, uh, yeah, same here. Yeah, same here, down to down to four. A good number. Mm-hmm. Very good. All right, so who wants to kick us off? Uh, I guess I will. Um, so here's a show that uh, actually the first season was from last year. Uh, but we picked it up kind of on a whim because I thought it was starting this season. I was just all messed up on the timing of everything. But uh, my uh, my partner and I, we watched a Case Study of Vanitas. And this is a show that I honestly, if I'd been watching it alone, probably would have bounced off of completely. But uh, it turned out it was kind of fun in and of itself. And so this, was, this season uh, was the second uh, one of theirs. And it's all about like this... Uh, there's this society of vampires that's like tenuously coexisting with humans in this kind of weird steampunk alternate history from France. And there's a dude who's not a vampire, but has like various magical powers given to him by this book that he carries. Uh, and he's trying to cure vampires of this like curse that's afflicting them. And there's mysteries and shenanigans and magic and all other kinds of nonsense going on. And it's big, it's loud, it's kind of stupid, but it but it knows what it is and runs with it. And the characters can be surprisingly compelling, so I found myself enjoying it more than I thought I would. That was the first season. The second season, uh, which is what just came out, definitely less so. Like, there's time travel involved now, and oh, no. character, mo- character motivations make a lot less sense. And the, while the bulk of the show is taken up by one particular arc dealing with the Beast of Gévaudan, which is a fascinating, real, historical story and the subject of a fantastic movie called Brotherhood of the Wolf, if you have not actually watched that. But uh, moving uh, moving on, uh, it deals with that for the majority of the season. And it's like, okay, fine, cool, we're getting to see characters, you know, working uh, with other characters that we haven't really seen them fighting alongside before, and there's different conflicts going on, and cool, fine, whatever. But then the last like three or four episodes of the season are all set up for season three and they just feel super like there's like a huge break between the two of them, like an audible crack between uh, like episode nine and episode 10, something like that. I don't remember exactly what they were, but it is one character comes in with just such a overwrought tragic backstory that it feels completely (laughs) out of place with the rest of the show like the rest of the show yeah there's dark and you know kind of cruel and evil things going on but it's not a snuff film and that's what this like backstory feels like it is it just it really uncomfortable but uh overall the show yeah there's potential there there's a lot of fun to be had if you're into that sort of thing it has a very chinibio feel if that makes any sense everything's like super over dramatic and dark and uh you know they're again vampires and wizards and you know steampunk and all other kinds of junk it's it's a lot it's a lot a lot but it can be fun uh it's just that this last season did not live up to the first one so 
don't know if I'd recommend it, honestly, but if you're into that kind of weird, action-y, fantasy sort of stuff, maybe there's something you'll enjoy in it, and the characters' interactions can genuinely be fun at times, so... Mm. Dan, I'm you just going to throw out- it out there that... I'm sorry, Scott. You're, I'm just going to throw it out there that... You're watching this show for all the wrong reasons. The only oh. reason I ever see people watching this show is three words, Dan. Hot vampire men. Okay? That's, yeah, exactly. That's it. Like, everything you've just described was way too long and needs to be condensed into hot vampire men. You see, here's the thing, though. The hot vampire men are not actually the core relationship. Like, they are the they're the ongoing relationship, and recently there seems to have been some sort of development in that regard. But... Both of them have ladies that are all about them, and they seem to be more or less all about them, too. So, you're not even getting that. I'm sorry to disappoint people, but, uh, yeah, there's some false advertising going on. Oh, ho, interesting. Oh, no. I was actually going just straight for Hot Vampire Men. I didn't I didn't even <laughs> think there was, like, Hot Vampire Men action, like, ah. add a fourth word in there. But, okay, I mean, it's good to know. Because <laughs> if you're in it for that, then no. I mean, yes, if you are in it for, well, only one of the men is a vampire, but yes, sure, fine, whatever. <laughs> Now, Daniel, this is important to me. Um, we watched like one episode of this before dropping it back in season one. What happened to the heterochromic stuck-up cat? It's uh, it's there. It's just kind of kicking around. Doesn't play a major role. Okay. Not as I think he gets lost once and causes characters to meet, and that's about the extent of its contribu- contributions to the plot. Scott, for the love of peas, focus. Hot vampire men. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. Absolutely, Daniel. You gonna watch the hot vampire men season three? Yeah, maybe. Out of curiosity, but like I'm not like particularly compelled. If I'm otherwise, uh, if I'm otherwise booked, I am not going to shuffle something out for it. We'll leave it at that. Gotcha. What's up next? Um, I got a show. Uh, actually, what ended up being my favorite show of the season, which is a subtle distinction between the one that I think is the best, which we'll be talking about later. Uh, but I watched uh, a Kebby's Sailor Uniform which was an adorable little show about uh, a girl who lives out in the the country, but somehow within walking distance of a prestigious school. And now that I think about it, I actually don't remember if it's a middle school or a high school. Uh... (laughs) That kind of visual style then. Yeah. Like they're all, you know, eh, eh, Um, what was I going to say? So like the, the catch of the show and the reason that it's titled the way that it is, is because like the girl's mother used to go there and, uh, she was like, oh, I want to wear the sailor uniform. And the mom's like, oh, I can make you one. And then, you know, she gets into the school and she goes there and she's the only one with a sailor uniform because they changed the, uh, like what their uniform was, but like the headmistress lets her stay. Uh, so she becomes very easy to pick out of crowd scenes from that point forward. (laughs) Convenient. And the whole thing is is like her uh, making friends with her classmates. And it's all very, like, it's very sweet. Oh, That's nice. such a you show. That's cute. <clears throat> yeah. there's, there's a little bit of a, like a, what's the one I want to say? Like price of admission is that every once in a while something weird will happen. Or like the uh, camera will do something weird, usually to like the character's feet. Uh, and you'll be like, is that, is that creepy? but like there's always i feel like there's always enough plausible deniability for me at least to be like you know that was odd but you know the show is fine Mm, all right 
Good to note. Um, yeah. Best op by a small margin, best ed by a wide margin. Wow, really? Nice. Yeah. Based uh, on some of the show, other shows I think you watched, that's high praise. Uh-huh. Um, trying to think if there's anything like specifically interesting about it. I did have to like shotgun a lot of this uh, in the recent past because I fell off the wagon mid-season. But definitely like satisfying conclusion, uh, which is more than I can say for many shows that exist. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sounds like a good recommendation. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Nice. Who else has got something? Sure, I'll go next. Uh, feeding off of the cute vibe we've got going on uh, with a show called Q. Uh, so, you know, confessions of a anime loving wife i guess we'll go with uh my my husband has recently got gotten a bit addicted to idol girl shows not in a creepy way like we're just really really stressed and he's like these are so fun and gentle and so he'll oh, pick nice. these out of a crowd and he was like this show looks good and i had recently shown him the idol master with the at sign for the a which i think is one of the best idol shows ever made fight me um Zena, and, did you just say Xena Glossia? I couldn't. No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't betray me like that, Scott. Let's oh, not it's open all that betrayal, betrayal can of worms, okay? Because <laughs> I'm I'm secretly a double crossing betray betray, also betrayal. Uh no, not not the Xena Glossia one. Um but we, you know, he picked Q out and uh so episode one I was a little nervous because uh the cast is a bit bloated. There are originally 13 girls and i was like oh no like there's no way we're getting through all these ladies oh no um but thankfully the uh the show breaks them into quads and then has them do a variety of different things so the show is just it's pure clean fun um so there's a brand new voice actress agency in town it's called air blue and these 13 girls join it and it's just their adventures trying to get into the world of being a seiyu um, it is hard to keep track of everyone. Like I said, the cast is a little large, but once it splits them into quads, you're, you you kind of can identify them by the quad. You're like, oh, the quad that does the radio show, the quad that's in this like in anime anime, blah, blah, blah. Um, the fourth quad is my favorite because they actually call themselves Team Nuclear Waste because they like can't <laughs> get into anything. Like there's one like oh, straight, no. like girl who talks only in monotone and she's like, we're team nuclear waste. Like we have no idea what we're doing with our lives. <laughs> like they just have no purpose and run around like doing community service or like stuff for children. And recently they're getting their moment in the sun, but I was just like, yes, team nuclear waste. You're my home girls. Aw. So very, very cute. Um, it's interesting to get a glimpse of the voice actress scene. You know, I've been dying for a show that actually does this properly. Uh, and this this show does it. I mean, it's clearly got its pulse on the Seiyu scene. It's aware of, you know, what voice actresses do in the industry. Just to be clear, I am fully aware that this show is, you know, very clean. It avoids the seedier side of the industry. It avoids any sort of exploitation, specifically for women, on their role to being a Seiyu. I totally get that. But um, I think it, it just makes me happy. I have no other way to say it but that. It's a really lovely show. I like seeing Aww. all the girls hang out, go about their different activities. Uh, I love seeing some of the technical end of how they record, like when you have to record on a different track 
for a certain girl because she's in a scene that's got too much action going on, like background sound going on. So we have to switch mm. her to a different track when people can record together. Uh, things things like that. And it, it feeds off of some of the stuff we got to see in Azokan, actually, where they're working oh. off of, you know, really sort of unclean key frames and like they have to record on that. So they, you know, it's exciting for them to see a finished product because during the voice recording part, they never actually get to see that. Uh, the show is nothing to write home about artistically or musically, but it, it looks very pleasant. You know, the, the colors are really nice. It's a very light show about girls voice acting and it's great. It's also a double core show. So I'm oh. hoping to actually like get to know some of these girls a little better. And it is some of the episodes are getting like single girl focused. So I am beginning to learn learn some of them um but it's a pleasant fun clean show and i do highly recommend it it's very relaxing oh nice. nice it's good they got two cores i was gonna say one episode for each girl doesn't seem like enough yeah yeah, yeah it, it would suffer from that cinderella nine syndrome like oh, back yeah. when you guys remember me talking about that yeah definitely well good who else has got something i mean i think let's see uh we got the uh, dress up darling or my dress up darling oh boy this is like the it show you hold the new it girl this is it i hear about this all over the place my husband and i only made it through a couple episodes but scott i know you and your your partner liked it yeah i mean it is i mean right off the bat it is gorgeously animated and detailed i mean it, it really looks good uh so that helps a lot it's got a fun opening theme and honestly a really cute ending theme so like there's some decent music there uh, I guess the main plus to me is it's really going to make you want to cosplay because like that's the the primary focus is like there's a girl who wants to cosplay but doesn't know how to make outfits and a guy who is has a lot of like good skills to make outfits and also the dedication and time and like they kind of team up uh, and if you already do cosplay it's got some pretty neat like tips and tricks to get some certain looks to work how to use tape to make your eyes look different how to if, if you have a character that has those shark teeth, how to use like stick on nail, stick on nails and like file them down and they stick to your teeth. Like there's a lot of neat tips in there that I never would have thought of. Huh. Brendan, are you taking note? It is your chance to be a snaggletooth. Oh my God, you could have a Yaiba. Bre Brendan, Brendan, you could be a snaggletooth. Are you listening? I am. Uh, so some some cool cosplay tricks and also some stuff to watch out for. Like, you know, the guy goes for total fidelity to the look of the outfit and ends up choosing like really heavy fabrics in some scenes. And they're having an outdoor photo shoot and the poor girl is like, I'm dying. Like, I'm going to have a heat stroke. No, no. So like there's there's definitely some stuff going on there. And I would say it's also like a surprisingly sweet and wholesome romance. And of course, right, with the two of them. But they they show both characters' perspectives, uh, which I find to be pretty rare in romance anime. And you know, usually it's the guy going after the girl or the girl going after the guy, and like you don't get to see the other person's thoughts on on it. But in this case, you get both, and I think that added a lot. Scott, could you really quick just touch on like how you felt about it feeling a little like a power fantasy. Like I, I had a tough time jumping over that hurdle because it was just like, of course I, the lone man who knows how to use a sewing machine, have attracted the attention of the hottest Gyaru in school who just so happens to cosplay. You know, that it's pretty funny. Like, yeah, the first episode does have a lot of that. Like she like shows up at the club room and she's like, oh, I need somebody to help me make costumes. And he's like, I can magically do that. <laughs> uh, 
But like, it was funny <laughs> throughout the whole thing. My partner kept being like, look at this guy. I want a simp like this guy who would just sew things for me. So like, <laughs> it's almost like it goes in both directions. Cause like early on, it does honestly feel like he's almost being taken advantage of. Yeah, that was tough too. There was, there was a couple of sequences where I felt like she was beginning to bully him and I was just like, all right, I, I gotta be out. Right. But like eventually they, you know, they work together and it, like, you know, at one point, like he works way too hard making this first outfit and like she admonishes him. She's like, what are you, what are you doing? Like I, I made an offhand comment about how it would be nice to cosplay and like you've done nothing over the past three weeks, but work on this. Like I didn't, I didn't ask for that. Like we should, we should have better communication between the two of us so that this doesn't happen again. So like, it does get much better in that regard. Uh, but yeah, the beginning was like, you're right. It's a little tough. Now, before I get into like what I would consider the cons, Brennan, what were your thoughts? Um, I mean, yeah, basically uh, in agreement with everything that you've put forward so far. I feel like I'm sort of aging out of the high school like romance. Mm, that's fair. <laughs> I guess is where that, uh, where like I'm not sort of the target audience anymore. <laughs> Brendan, real quick, I didn't. My apologies, I didn't realize you watched it too. I'm interested in your opinion of if you felt like it was a power fantasy. Um, it may have been the first part. Like I said, there's a weird break in my like mid season, like having watched the first half and then coming back and watching the second half. Gotcha. Um, she does fund, I think, most of the projects as well. That's true. It's always, it's, it's her money that's, that's buying all this stuff. Like she works part-time jobs to be able to afford it. Yeah. By the end of it, they have a much more like comfortable relationship around each other, I think. Definitely. Uh, so to say against it, I mean, like maybe a plus, maybe a minus for you. Like it's definitely etchy at times. Uh, like I would, I would say it's nothing too over the top, but it's in there. Like. There's definitely some camera angles where you're like, well, that's definitely not from anyone's point of view, but like you, the viewer, <laughs> you know, so that's part of it. Well, and, and what she's really into cosplaying is is a H game, yeah? Yeah, her first, I mean, there's like four cosplays over the course of the show, and the first one is like effectively a made from an H game. And the costume itself actually is like fairly covering. Uh, but like, yeah, there's stuff they're discussing about the show, like, he basically goes and plays this H game all the way through and like they talk about it, which honestly is more funny than anything else. Uh, but definitely it's like one of the later outfits is effectively the girl from the fifth element. Uh, so there's like almost nothing there. Uh, so yeah, she definitely shows a lot of skin at times. Um, the other thing I would say is Goto, who's the, the male guy, can be kind of exhausting to watch when he's freaking out about being near or touching Marin, the girl. Like, his feelings make sense, but the scenes get dragged out way too long. And you're like, come on, buddy. <laughs> like, we've got the rest of the show to get to. Yeah, I thought episode two in particular was like, okay, like, we get it. We get and it. And then right. they just, like, do it again. Oh. Like, all right, all right. Right, like, episode two is, like, the early episodes are honestly the hardest to get through. And then by the end, you're like, I really like these characters in this romance. It's great. So, they, I don't know, they, they, find their, they find their bearings eventually. Nice. So you both recommend it? Uh, yes definitely definitely cool. recommend uh if, especially if you like cosplay and like you're going to be inspired you're like man i want to get back into cosplay i guess just a really quick last question i have heard 
through the grapevine that the manga is very detailed about like how to cosplay the technicality of it does the show go over that like i said there's there's some good tips and tricks like they do kind of go into like i wouldn't say they go into every detail but they have a reasonable amount like it's it's not a lot it doesn't sound like as much as you're describing from the manga but there's there's some good tips in there it might be i don't know maybe there's details that we didn't like pick up on because we're not like super into it already maybe uh all right your cool. mile, your mileage may vary depending on like what your level of expertise actually is got it got it all right what's next uh well uh starting into well no i guess vanitas was the first one that was technically continuing but for, starting into the first one where we're continuing from something that i had been watching as it came out uh we have Demon Slayer, the uh, Entertainment District arc. This is the one that came after the arc that was a basically an extension of the movie from last year. And this one was kind of weirdly split. Like, the first half of it more or less came out in the end of uh, the Fall Core uh, at the end of last year. And then the second half of it came out um, this year during the Winter Core. Kind of an odd release schedule. And there was, like, a break in between. I don't know what the deal was there. But uh, either way... They wrapped up the Entertainment District arc, and in this one, we've got our main character and his two, uh, I guess, uh, not partners, compatriots, I don't know what you call them, um, fighting alongside another of the more elite members of these demon-hunting uh, dudes uh, in what essentially is the brothel district of this one city, and it's all about them having to infiltrate this place to suss out a demon that's been, you know, on a rampage there recently. And if, if anything has kind of made me like realize that the art of Demon Slayer is the main thing it has going for it. I do not care for the characters. I do not care for the story. And like other, like they, they do incredible action scenes. I will not, uh, I, I will not mince words about that. There, the visuals are beautiful. The action is great. Uh, the sense of place and how things are happening is really intense, and they do a really good job of that. But like everything else around it, I'm just not really into. And it, I don't know, that kind of stinks for me because I want to like it more than I do. Mm. Um, I feel like this is the like this is the way. With all <laughs> shonen shows, yeah, Dan. Like I oh, feel yeah. like you and I have taken this path a couple times, and this uh -huh. is this is the way. We eventually, yeah, we eventually hit a wall where we're just like, I cannot deal with more of this shonen bullshit. Just give me, just give me my, uh, give me the action scenes and let me be on my merry way. And so that's really the problem with it. it I I'm not gonna say that if that there's anything wrong with enjoying it it's still as far as shonen shows go perfectly serviceable the characters do have you know some some good chemistry at times they you know this one actually shows them working uh, pretty well together in certain circumstances part of it I think is that a lot of the conceit is focus they focus around the um, uh, the Hashira who are like again the elite the top uh, ranked demon hunters. Uh, because you got to have that in some kind of a shonen thing. There's got to be like a top of the top rank kind of thing. Um, and after what happened to the one that was featured in the Mugen Train arc, that movie slash uh, series, um, 
this one is a very different character. He's, you know, he's got this big outsized personality. He's a ninja, but he wants to be super flashy. And he also has three wives who are like, in basically, they're his informants on the ground and they're going in because they've lost communication with them. And the moment I heard that, I was like, these are not going to be characters. They're going to be objects for them to, you know, occasionally occasionally show off and then not do anything with. And I was 100% right. Wah, wah. Like, the wives are the most underdeveloped aspect of this entire thing, considering the amount of time that they dedicate to talking about them. And it is, it is a shame. It is a real shame. Because it's like, you have three arguably highly skilled, like, ninjas, and you're not doing anything with them. They're just, you know, they're just damsels in distress for the majority of the thing, and then when they finally do have something to do, it is barely consequential. Which is, again, just like, eh, the show has an issue with it, with how it deals with its female characters, and this is just another, like, example of them not getting their due. Like, there's, there's, they're this close, this close to making the main female character, Nezuko, the sister of the main of the main character into a really interesting character and doing really cool and interesting things with her arc and they just refuse to do it because and then they it, remember it's shonen right and then you just yeah that's how shonen works her perspective does not matter at all she's literally stuck in a box for the majority of the show wow what a crying yeah. shame it, it again its issues are not necessarily focused on that show, uh, show itself it, it they are they're they're issues that if you're familiar with the genre, crop up in different ways across all of these things. It's just that they seem to be distilled down into this, and I think a lot of people really latch on to what is good about Demon Slayer, and rightfully so, but then they ignore the other parts where it's a little bit weaker. And again, not saying that if you enjoy the overall show that that's bad or anything, it just, for me, it's not enough to, it's not enough for me to overcome my kind of knee-jerk, like, pulling away from shonen stuff and it's just kind of becoming increasingly clear that as brennan said sort of not not necessarily aging out of but just sort of my tastes have drifted away from that sort of thing and this is not the show to bring me back into it that being said if you like the action scenes 100 percent worth it go for it you're gonna have a good time in that regard so hmm. i think i've said it once but i'll hype it again now, I don't condone their tax fraud that they recently got caught for. Shame on you guys. But I think UFO Table is one of the most talented studios out there. I did not hear about that. Oof. Yeah, yeah, they had major tax fraud recently. Um, they got their hands smacked hard. Uh, but they, like, they're just top-notch. So, minus all of that, I'm a huge fan of the work that comes out. Mm-hmm. You can appreciate someone's technical expertise even if you're not a fan of like, the actual writing. Right. Yeah. I want to hear about a bonus final season. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I need like a moment of silence from all three of you as I silently scream deep into this microphone. <laughs> like, guys! Attack on Titan's not over. <laughs> How can it be? You all saw this coming. You all saw my like hard demise. Like my death flag was real. Like when I told you guys (laughs) it was part two. I think you all looked at me and knew the death flag was there, right on me. So, all right. Well, as expected, uh, this this shit ain't over. Um, This is Attack on Titan, the final part two. 
Uh, there's nine more chapters in the manga that they conveniently left out. And hmm. that is apparently coming in a part three, which is supposedly <laughs> the final, 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 final mix in 2023. Oh my gosh, guys. There's there's so much time wasted on political machinations in, in this one. Like, Eren is double-crossing, super double-crossing. A bunch of people like come to his side and form a, a faction called the Jaegerists, and they're fighting against the military police, which are all internally in the wall. There's there's all this like pseudo civil political war thing going. It's it's so much time wasted on something we didn't have time for. <laughs> I I really think this show could have been interesting if I had an ounce of care left in me for anybody on screen, right? The show is just hell-bent at throwing twist after twist after twist, or simply having characters state things that, like, put doubt into the mind of the viewer. Like, like really, just a quick example is that Eren tells Mikasa at one point the only reason she's obsessed with him is because she's an Ackerman. And Ackermans apparently are part of this ancient bloodline which allow them to, like, heal faster, and also, like, they're designed to protect a person and if that person is in danger, they're capable of, like, flying into a berserker rage and have, like, more speed and power or whatever the heck. So to, like, get her to not follow him on the dark, dark path he's going, he's like, I don't care about you, and honestly, you don't actually care about me. You're just an Ackerman, and I'm your, like, person to protect, so get over it. You've never had an original thought in your head, ever. So... Mikasa crumples emotionally, and then later on in another episode, Armin is like, I think Eren was telling you that so that you wouldn't follow him so that he can double-double-cross Zeke so that he's still on our side so that- And I was like, shut up. Just everybody shut up. I hate you all so much. I'm gonna punch this show. Blah, blah, blah. The, uh, the show is effectively putting on a facade at this point, guys, that it has planned anything. There's no plans. It just gives flashbacks to things that contextualize random stuff they've said in the hopes that it looks a little more legit. Oh, no. It, it, it has drawn out fight scenes where the world building and the rules of Titans are completely thrown out the window. Like, nothing makes any sense Oh, that's sense always anymore. the worst. I hate it when they do that. Yeah, like there were pretty clear rules, and it, they're gone. Forget those. If you're those. gonna break the rules, there's gotta be either a reason to do it, or you need to do it in a way that makes the show more interesting. It's just, oh, forget it. Forget about it. Like, everybody can heal super quick. Everybody can do whatever. It's just bad. Um, my favorite part, though, is that the show reaches, baby, for the last bastion of the center. And do you know what that is? Tell us. It's time travel, Dan. Oh, no. Yes. Yes. The last refuge of a scoundrel. Time travel. So you see, gentlemen, Eren has had the ability to see the future. That's actually another ability of the founding Titan, which he has, you see. And this entire time, the show may or may not have been a loop where he knew what was going on ever since the middle of, like, season three, as soon as he touched Historia. And now he's been forcing the plot in the direction he wants it to go, and we may or may not be going in a direction that's like sort of Watchmen and blah, 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 blah. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's it's such hot garbage. Like we literally end up at one point in what, what I call the nexus of plot convenience. Like they they show up at this place that is this, like huge tree and there's all this sand and it's like this is it. Like the nexus of all time and space convergence. Here I can manipulate something with my titan power i was like we're done here <laughs> we're done here and then he's just like i've had time travel all along and i was like i'm just i'm gonna scream it's like that anime news nina like i'm just gonna scream hitler was right all along like i'm gonna kill somebody um anyway just really quick when the show is strong it's strong actually there there are a few moments i was genuinely invested i continue to be impressed by the sheer carnage that this show is willing to you know release on on people and i don't even mean like killing characters i mean like at one point uh so eren is now taking a bunch of titans and he's just like i'm going to destroy the rest of the world that's the only way that everyone's gonna leave us alone and stop trying to kill us because no matter what the cycle of revenge is never going to stop i'm just going to kill off everybody like take an army of titans and just smash my way around the globe basically and at at one point our heroes realize like they're not going to make it they're not going to catch up to him quick enough to have him stop him crushing the entire island of marley and like the last shot is all of these huge titans like booming over this town of Marley. And I was like, you're really going to do this. You're really going to pseudo genocide all these people, aren't you? So they just, they just go for it. Um, mm-hmm. But really this show is so sensationalized. It's poorly plotted. I've had enough. Like it's so bad. I think everyone I meet is so swept into the facade that it's putting on this mask. It's got on, but really I, I can see that all it is is a violent, poorly written story that's stalling and continuing to throw more and more plot twists to, to trick you into thinking, delude you into thinking it's well-crafted. I, I will stand behind this and, and die on this hill. Attack on Titan is garbage, and it doesn't know what it's doing, and it reads like somebody who's writing something for the first time. I think there were inklings of it that I was attached to and have followed it this long, but... Wow, I, I'm so done. I'm so emotionally done. And there's a good chance I'm just going to read the ending to the manga in a spoiler post and Call it get day. away from this because it hurts me. Wow. I'm, if you're in it, you're in it. And we're probably watching to the finale, but I I don't recommend. If you've never gotten into Attack on Titan, I cannot recommend enough that you steer away from it. Wow. All right. Good to know. Do not watch if you've not watched. Do not watch. You know what? I guess I'll I'll, I'll pick up from that that uh, amazing <laughs> description. Oh my gosh! Of Attack why? on Titan, the bonus season, third, the second of three parts. Uh, to talk about Princess Connect Redive season two. You know season what? two. Season two. Oh right. Now featuring Psy Games' giant bags of money. Oh, it's true. Like, this is it. The conclusion of Princess Connect, which everyone has been waiting for with bated breath, I'm sure. Uh, you know what? You're right, Sue. It still has that big Psy Games money. And that means <laughs> every episode is just a visual feast. Like, it is. It looks so good. The fight scenes in particular are just breathtakingly good. Like, trigger grade. Like, they're so good. Uh, like you're just, this is spectacle. Uh, so you can always just watch it for that. 
and also you know what the characters are still fun and i like them and like there's you know more serious things are happening because there's like a plot that has to wrap up uh and so you know it was kind of invested in their story uh the story is as confusing as ever uh but it like you know was engaging uh if i have anything to say against it it's that the story is as confusing as ever <laughs> like it's it does seem a lot like you probably are going to get more out of this if you've played the mobile game or whatever that it's based on like you're not going to know who half these characters are every episode seems to have a new cast of obviously very you know meticulously designed characters that come out of nowhere for like one episode and then are maybe seen at the end uh and you're like who were you <laughs> what was what was your purpose here uh, but whatever it's all fun and the the fight scenes look so good that you can just you can just turn your brain off and and uh watch the you know the uh like untethered beauty of a princess strike is what's her name just like blasts everybody i need i need i didn't want to interrupt you scott but i need you to like see into my head for a second i have this little cartoon uh -huh. image of like little cartoon you and dan and then, like, you both have blushies, and it's, like, sexy, sexy fan service in the first panel, <laughs> but then it switches to the camera, and it's, like, Dan is actually watching, like, Vanitas or something that has, like, hot vampire men, because it's animated beautifully, and you just have a bag of money on screen that says Psy Games around it. <laughs> and, like, that's the cartoon in my head. That's a cartoon, yeah, Psy Games, big money. They probably have enough money to buy me off, it's true. <laughs> hey, Psy Games, get on that. Yeah, right. Like I I'm waiting for my bag of money for this this recommendation. I do recommend Princess Connect. Like sort of like if you really want to see amazing animation and like a bunch of cute characters fight and stuff, go ahead and watch it. But like don't expect to understand what's going on season 1 or 2. And that's okay. And that's okay. That that's what I got. Who's up next? Nice. Well, I uh I know this came out last year, technically, but it only came to the U.S. this year, at least in the area where I am. Uh, and that is the movie Bell, uh, which is, I mean, it is a visual feast. It is a gorgeously animated film um, that is split between the real world and a virtual one. And one of the cool things about that is that, you know, the real world is animated, you know, traditional, uh, well, traditional, modern uh, 2D animation, whereas the uh, virtual world is in CG, so you can oh. immediately tell where everything is taking place, uh, and also the fact that everything in this in this uh, virtual world is extremely you know stylized and flamboyant. Like most people have like humanoid avatars, but there's like you know there's furries and there's dudes with like robot arms and there's you know cyborgs and ninjas and and ghosts and like monsters and all other kinds of stuff. At one point, the character is having a, you know, the main character, uh, Bell, is having a concert on top of a giant whale with like, ooh, with like speakers and craziness coming off of it. It is very visually stunning. So, Dan, really quick, this is Mamoru Husada. So, yes. did it feel like, did the world feel like Summer Wars again, or, or was it distinctly different? It definitely had a similar vibe, but it's been a little while since I've seen Summer Wars, and I'd have to kind of see them back to back to really compare. But uh, I was definitely getting a similar feel. Basically, the world is more or less like our oh, like our own, but there's this you know widely available uh, virtual 
other world that you can go into this sort of but in sort of like a second life way where there's like a little bit of everything it's not just it's not like an rpg or a game like uh you know like in dot hack or those sorts of things and you know like business and other things would take take place there but most of it is you know for entertainment people get to you know you get to fly around in your cool little robot avatar or whatever and have fun uh but the thing is that the avatar is generated for you you don't really choose it 100 percent. it's based kind of on it's basically based on your vibe and so that uh results in some really interesting uh interesting looks and different characters look very different um but at its core the story is very much a beauty and the beast analog as the name might suggest um there's a lot more going on there and a lot of deep sort of very interesting uh stuff when it comes to the motivations behind certain characters which are very spoiler-tastic so i will avoid them completely but um it's kind of interesting to have this sort of the setting and its uh and its consequences and um internal logic not be like oh you know being trapped in this you know or like being trapped in this world or like here are the political ramifications of having a base a second like reality in which people can exist it's like that's not really the point it's more about how people express themselves and what people feel safe doing with a certain degree of anonymity and how it allows them to you know, be either, you know, more than they can be in the real world, or in some cases to be bigger jerks than they could be in the yeah. real world. And they sort of deal with both sides of that in a really interesting and enjoyable way. I'd say the only kind of ding against it, and this is extremely minor, is that there's at least one antagonist who you don't really understand why he's the way he is or like what his deal is when he's just so transparently awful. But it's... It doesn't really matter in the long run. It just feels like they dedicate a good amount of time to him when with without giving more substance to what's going on or why he's the way he is. And I suppose you don't really need that. Some people are just going to be jerks and they like having authority over, over other folks. And that's just the way it is. But uh, it, just for the amount of time you spend with him, it feels a little odd that there wasn't a little more closure when it came to what his deal was. But mm. that aside... Everything else, again, visuals, music, I don't know if it's necessarily the kind of music I personally love, but it sure is distinctive, and you can absolutely see why uh, the songs that the main character sings become so broadly popular and create such a splash. So, yeah, definitely, absolutely worth your time checking it out if you can. It's a, you know, it's a nice self-contained movie with some really emotional twists and turns here and there. Um, all wrapped around, like I said, a very, you know, straightforward Beauty and the Beast story that, uh, that, ex that expands on that in ways that you really might not expect. Man, all of this from a movie. That's impressive. Oh, yeah. There's a lot going on, and, uh, it does a fairly good job of, you know, wrapping it all up by the end. There's not a lot of, like, hanging threads. It doesn't really feel like things are introduced for no reason, but, uh, it is a lot of fun. I feel like Hosada really pours himself into his movies like it's been a while since mirai i think was his last movie and that was very highly regarded i haven't seen that one either but i think he really pours a lot of himself and a lot of effort into these films so absolutely it shows and uh yeah you can definitely tell that there are elements of this that feel extremely personal and uh 
I think that that really is what sets a lot of this stuff apart. It really, it it's made, you know, it's made with heart. It's made with a lot of soul. You know, everyone, you know, puts a lot of themselves into any creative endeavor, but this one in particular feels like I'm not making this because someone thought it would be a good marketable idea. I'm making this because I feel like I need to get it out of my head and onto, you know, and onto the screen. Neat. So where do we have, uh, where do we go from here? Here's the part where I ask Scott why he watched Slow Loop. <laughs> hmm. You know what? It's nice to have a, a slice of life. Uh, and fly fishing is an interesting sport. Like, so we just decided to pick it up because we've had good luck with the uh, slice of life stuff. Would uh, you care for a slice of life? <laughs> <laughs> want me to go into the details, Brennan, or do you want to uh, do some descriptions? Um, let's see. I guess the, uh, so the show, uh, as it stands, is it's, it's mostly about to two girls that meet on the the pier or whatever it is where one of the girls is doing some fly fishing uh and they spend the first episode sort of like or at the end of the first episode they realize that their parents are getting married to each other after half of their other parents have uh unfortunately passed away so it's like hey we're stepsisters now mm. and and then they go fly fishing and it's one of those, it's one of those, like, it's almost like a club show where you're learn like you, the audience are also learning how to fly fish in parallel. Yeah. I got to say there was a lot of technical detail on how to fly fish in this show. Like, you know, you were talking about before dress up darling, having a lot of stuff. This is like way more than that. I mean, they're like, how do you handle the rod for different circumstances? What kinds of bait should you use? What are the names for all the things and how does each type of lure work? Here's all the weights of different like lines and rods. And they even teach you how to tie a fly step by step. Uh, plus how to clean fish and how to cook a bunch of different cool recipes. I mean, there's like a huge side of this thing that's like, here's how you do it. And I was like, wow, they really got into it. I was impressed. Also, I think it looked good. Like the animation isn't amazing, but it's clean. It looks good. Yeah, perhaps too clean in the case in one very specific case, which is the, like the tertiary character uh, who's like the childhood friend who were uh, whose family owns a oh, shop. Oh, Koi? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And she's got the fang. Oh, but it's the wrong color. I hate it. Well, no, it's it's so subtle, though. Like it is white, but her skin is so pale and they don't draw the line. They don't draw the line. I can't. I hate lip. that. So it just looks like she's got like this weird flesh tooth coming out of her mouth. Well, right. Like it, it looks like that because it's hard to, unless you're staring very closely at the picture, it's hard to see the distinction. So it looks like she's just got the snaggle lip, which is, you know, I've, I've said this before, I think looks incredibly stupid. It's very bad. Like they needed to do it. They needed to do something and they just, they just didn't. <laughs> or, like, or, or like they needed to go just a step further, I guess. Like they've got... Uh, and she doesn't even seem like the Fang type of character either, which... It was weird to have her have the Snaggletooth at all, because she isn't that kind of character. Uh, I mean, she was fine in her own right, though. Yeah, she has a, you know... Yeah, she, she's a fine character. She just wasn't the sort of, like, primal... Uh, like, 
I don't know. Genki, Genki is the right yeah. word. She, Genki girl is probably the closest. Like she's not that, which is weird. Uh, what else is there? Yeah. The, the thing about the, the parents sort of marrying each other, like it's actually like a fairly touching story about these, these, the parents and the kids becoming a family together. And they, they honestly devote more time to it than I would have expected from an anime. That's about fly fishing. <laughs> because like True. neither of the parents fly fish, it's the kids who do it, but they right. still like what? have a lot of time for the parents. Go ahead. Yeah, like uh, the one the one father who uh, who passed away was a fly fisher, which is why the one girl is doing it. But like neither of the characters or neither of the like the current parents do. So they've just got like the uh, the third parent, like Koi's dad, is a like a, a huge like fishing addict, and they'll go around like with him sometimes. But it's mostly uh, the girls. Yeah. Like they spend time on camping. I don't know. They pack a lot into this show and they do it all really well. Like other than the Snaggletooth, I don't think I have any complaints about the show at all. I don't know what your thoughts were, Brennan. Um, let's see. The there's like an even younger set of characters that they sort of bring in. Oh yeah, the like, uh the, the the cutie mark crusaders, as it were. <laughs> That's how we call them over or, here anyway. Or near enough. I think there were only two of them, but um, yeah. yeah, like those like they're they're cute. Uh, I don't know if they, I don't like personally, I don't know if they justified all the screen time they got, but, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's a fine show. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Can't recommend, uh, thoroughly. Hey, that's what we got. Who's, who's next? All right. I think that, uh, the jumps back to me. Yeah. 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 All right, um, so I watched a show called Hakuzume, Kobanjoshi no Gyakushu. It's um, a lot of words. I, I know, I use, I use the Japanese title because in English it was called Police in a Pod, which I think is a terrible translation, because my husband and I looked into this, and it, it translates mostly to closed off a police woman's counterattack. And I was like, <laughs> you had so many better ways in English to like try and <laughs> manipulate this title. <laughs> So I'm going to go with the Japanese title. Uh, this was my show of the season. I, I loved this show. Yeah, yeah. So my kawaii, that's her actual name in the show, <laughs> is a <laughs> is a rookie cop who uh, who wants to hand in her notice. She works for like a local police box, as it's called, in, in her town. And the day she's going to hand in her notice, she meets Seiko Fuji, who's this gorgeous new sergeant who comes into their, their police station. And like that day sort of inspires her to stick with it for one more day, then one more, then one more. And uh, the show is just a series of vignettes of the daily lives of the police with with a splash of humor of the Japanese police. Uh, I think the characters are wonderful. They felt really real. They're adults. Uh, so Whoa. none of that high school garbage. Yeah, yeah. These are like, I mean, I think Kawaii is like in her 20s but Seiko's definitely like at least 30 and the detectives they meet are at least in their 30s like so these are genuine adults uh that are running around just trying to balance daily life uh with their jobs so it you know there's a lot of real resonance uh for me there's there's actually you know hints of despair mixed into all the humor that they put in there about how hard police work is how grueling it can be on your sanity uh, one of my personal favorites was uh, a guy goes missing in a remote village and they bring in a police dog to help find him. And like immediately all of the other senior officers are like, 
don't go with the police dog. And Kawhi, <laughs> being the, the rookie dum-dum she is, she's like, oh, dog, I want to go with the dog. Like, first of all, they refer to him as Inusama. They're like, you don't want to go with Inusama. And she's like, I want to go with the dog. And like, the dog just runs around and she's like, what do we do? And the detective she's with is like, just chase Inusama. Go wherever he goes. That is your job for today. And at the end, like, Inusama does nothing <laughs> to assist, right? And they just are like laying on the ground dying. And they're like, has it ever occurred to you that maybe the police dog just really wanted to go outside and run around? And the detective's like, I told you. We steeply respect Inusama, but never ever end up going with Inusama. (laughs) (laughs) This is the worst idea. Uh, So, you know, I just, I got so much fun out of watching, you know, these little moments where these characters are desperately trying to balance their their grueling police work with with some humor. Um, Maya is so bad at being a policewoman, (laughs) but man, man, guys, she tries so hard. You know, my husband was looking at me and he was like, why is it that we are rooting for this girl? Because in any other show, we would hate her and her like lazy ass. Like she'll go running around chasing bad guys and she'll like monologue to herself, to her father. And she's like, dear dad, I know you told me to get a civil servant job because it would support me for life, but I suck at running so bad and I am chasing this guy down the street and he's getting faster and faster. What am I even doing with my life? But, you know, she just gives her to her all for her job. By the end of the show, she's genuinely giving everything she has. Uh, and I, I really was rooting for her the whole time. She's got and a good I think arc. Everyone around her, yeah, she does have an arc, and everyone around her, you know, relies on her and 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 tries to to get her to be a better police lady. Um, I missed a little something. What what helps with this show is the mangaka is actually a former policewoman. She used to oh. draw portraits, and when she left the force, was like, "Hey, I just I think people have this very negative view of the police. I want to write a little something." about that and so just transformed her art style into a more manga centric one and and wrote this little manga about about that you can tell um there's a lot of self-deprecation like i'm pretty sure she identifies as my like this this just doofy police officer who can't really hack it (laughs) and uh you know the people around her are there um what i like about it too is that a lot of the characters are very supporting like at one point they go to the the station that fuji was previously stationed at and uh, Fuji is basically like super gorgeous, but effectively like a a mean person. Like she curses a lot. She doesn't get along with anybody, and that's why they like kicked her out of detective stuff. And she was she, every time she shows up, uh, Kawhi gets scared of the detective place because or criminal affairs, I think they're called, because it's all just guys with scary pompadours, like looking really angry, like yakuza. <laughs> and Seiko is like. You know they just grow those pompadours out to look like badasses, right? They're all just like doof doofs under that. And all the guys are like, yeah, we kind of are. But the pompadours make us look good. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and everyone's just really supporting of each other, of the women on the force. Like, there's actually a really great episode of, of, like, sexism being put on Mai that, like, Fuji subverts without having to get, like, loud and obnoxious about it. She's like shuts him down situationally and and it was a very powerful episode um so yeah really supportive of women really supportive of women on the force um 
I do think, you know, there are a couple instances where Mai has to get saved by her male counterparts, but there's plenty of instances where the one male guy on the criminal justice has to rely on Fuji because she's awesome and, and can do anything. Uh, I guess just, just as the last thing, to throw it out there, I was shocked at some of the things that are so common in Japan that they can get used as humor. Um, several instances in the show... Uh, they put like my and, and Seiko get called by people going, I'm going to commit suicide. Like I'm thinking of committing suicide and they just go over to their house. And it's just that these people are super lonely and they're, huh. they just want someone to talk to. And so the police sit there and talk to them and are like, you got to cut it out with that calling us with the suicide bit. Calm that down now. Like they have regulars who call the police box and are like, I'm going to commit suicide. Can you come over? And stop me. And like that's played for laughs because it's so common. Huh. Which was really kind of a shock, you know? Um, and just to to wrap it back to that that mangaka, uh, when she left the force, the person who replaced her, it just died of being overworked. So just to, to throw wow. that out there as to how I know, just that culture over there, like Japan please. Um, when the show is serious, it's really serious. Um, and, and, you know, outside of one instance, I felt they didn't do a great job early on, but, but when it is serious, it's really serious. Like there's an episode where Kawhi gets traumatized by showing up to a very horrific car accident scene. Um, and there's a, there's a death there that really messes her up. Um, there's also like a manhunt for a sexual predator, which the show plays, you know, pretty damn straight, except for, a couple instances where humor is kind of warranted. So I really love this show. I would watch so much more of this show. I love these characters. I like watching their arcs and seeing them succeed. I, I like their dynamic. Uh, I, I love this show. And the, the op and the end are fantastic. So. Oh, nice. High praise. High praise for the show. Sounds it's really a show nice. about adults being adults and working the grind, baby. So... Loved it. And it looks good. It's Madhouse, so oh, the show nice. looks pretty good most of the way through. Very nice. Very cool, yeah. There was another show about adults this season. It's true. Oh, snap. That's right, we got uh, Miss Koroitsu of the Monster Development Department. I think this is the only show that all of us watched. It's true, all of us saw it. And, uh, you know, because it has a great premise. The premise is basically, who designs all those monsters for Rita Repulsa anyway? <laughs> what's their Vince, life like finster <laughs> duh duh i was a i was a huge power ranger fan mighty morphin in the day so as soon as scott you really tipped me off to this one because i looked at the splash image and blew clean past it like i genuinely didn't even read it so you know nice of you to tip me off oh yeah i mean it's it i'm glad i did because it's it's a fun one at least i enjoyed it a great deal what do you guys think Oh yeah, this was my show of the season. Nice. I did. I did think it was a lot of fun. I actually, um, I got a little frustrated at it at certain points because I was so invested. I wanted to know more. I like the mag at one point magical girls show up. And oh, like I know, right? Agency, and I was like, more, more on the magical girls, and like <laughs> it would just move on, and like. I would watch an entire season about like middle-aged magical girl woman who runs a bar for other people. Like 
I would watch a whole season on that. So, dear Japan, if you want to make a spin-off, hello, I'm there. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah, I think one because really one of the cool things with the show is that it has its own plot, but it also highlights one or more real life local heroes from Japan, like every episode, and it, like animates them and gives them a shout out in the ending credits and stuff. And like, yeah, this bar was basically just retired local heroes and villains hanging out at the bar. Like, what a great idea. <laughs> Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, I mean, I think the dynamic in the office was fun. There were certain instances where it tipped into Dilbert zone, and I was like, too real, too real. No, oh, yeah. no, 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 no. Like, watching her try to get the physical signature of all the VPs of the company, or being in oh. endless meetings where design is produced by committee, and I was like, I'm dying. <laughs> it's too real. I mean, just to give everyone an understanding, like, she starts off with this really badass-looking mech creature that looks like a bird right it's got like a bird face like rail guns and cannons yes. and all oh, kinds of nonsense yeah. it's supposed to shoot lightning it's awesome exactly and like like scott said as it goes on and on and on like she first presents it and they're like you've got to be kidding we don't have the budget for this and then like takes it to the art department and they're like no 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 no. needs to be more aerodynamic no 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 no. needs to have this it ends up as a giant fluffy chicken with a handgun. With a handgun. <laughs> That's the best part. It's just a chicken who's good at shooting. And and has it has like a like one of those like Super Saiyan like scanner things over one eye. Yes, and can like sometimes summon lightning, but that's about it. And it's great. He's arguably one of their best monsters. <laughs> yeah. Like at the end of that episode is just like them they built like a big paper mache or something version of it and just like exploded. <laughs> in film like in real <laughs> it's true or like uh, or like they finally get to the end and then it has to so they, the hero of the show is this or not hero of the show but like the guy opposing them is this guy named blader and like they finally have their new chicken guy with a handgun fight him and he just takes him out in one hit and they're like what happened like we worked so hard and all the committees agreed and they had this whole success story about how they'd finally got the design done and he's like well, it was super weak. Like, why didn't it have, like, all these cool weapons and all this other stuff? Like, basically, all the things that were in the original design, you know, had been compromised away, and it was totally ineffectual at its actual job. Uh, yeah. It was it was entirely too real for anyone who's ever had to work in a collaborative field. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But especially, like, it is, it is just full of, you know, gags and jokes about just dealing with life in corporate Japan. There's another, uh, well, there's several evil organizations, but there's another one that this one scientist belongs to. And when she hears about, like, the benefits that these, uh, that the main character and uh, her team get, like, time off and various other, like, you know, perks. Because Megistus is the best boss ever. Megistus is the best yes. boss ever. Oh, my God. Oh, he is, he is so good. Harsh but fair, extremely, like, dedicated to the well-being of his staff and more than willing to put his own neck on the line if it, mean, if it means that the company will prosper. Yeah, like, he's sort of the ideal leader. He's like, you know, development of mm -hmm. our employees is key. Like, you should have work-life balance. Like, you, are, you can make mistakes because that's important, you know. Then, like, the <laughs> other girl's company is basically, like, you know, endless overtime, you know, any failures is, is, is going to get you in big trouble. You know, all the usual. We're stuff. a family here. Yeah, we're all a family. Exactly. All the all the red flags. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, just like just nonstop, nonstop, solid uh, humor and, you know, just really, 
really fun if you're a fan of you know or if you're even like tangentially aware of the like sentai team or like masked hero versus monsters kind of formula and it is it is just really well done really the only thing that i can say against it is the animation is eh, dodgy at best it is not uh it, it, it did not put uh it did not put a ton of money into the actual animating part of it especially in the last oh few yeah. episodes they really yeah, do you know how many signatures it must have taken for them <laughs> to get those episodes out okay I am sure, but like, yeah, like the, the the nadir of this is a point where they have a they they create a monster who can't speak but wants to become an idol, and there's a montage that is just it is the most tragically like silly I animated, like, yeah. poorly animated <laughs> stuff. But at the same time, like they've built up such goodwill that yeah, I'm just like, oh ah, man, go get him, champ. Yeah, like the last few episodes like, are go, rough, mommy, but you're like, be an idol. You're like, okay, yeah, I'm like, I'm still behind this show. And like what you mentioned, like, uh, you know, like the guys who make the show clearly love hero shows, like <clears> including <throat> the framing, right, which emulates the feel of the shows, like all the lyrics being on the theme song, like for the opening theme song or on the screen in Japanese so the kids can sing along. There's an opening narration, which is narrated by a different person every time, which I thought was really fun. The ending theme is often like the hero's theme. Uh, and like the thing where the last time, like for the final episode of the series, they add sound effects to the theme song. Like it's all very hero show. So like they really, they, you can tell the love they had for it. Special shout out to that ridiculous Star Wars scrolling for the name of the, like, of the episode, <laughs> which I could never read fast things. enough. And I just like, let it happen. And, it and she really... just like stops trying halfway through. Yes. Yes, oh, I did. Amazing. <laughs> I just let it happen. But yeah, just a real love letter to, I believe the genre is called tokusatsu, which mm, is yeah. like those those live action shows, but absolutely great. And I loved like them highlighting the local heroes to the point where like I kept telling Scott every week when we would chat, I was like, why doesn't my like Harris Teeter have a tokusatsu? You know, like, <laughs> like it's, you know, for a shopping district, there was one like tricolored group tokusatsu group that is for a specific shopping district and i was like i want my grocery store yeah, to right? have awesome action heroes that defend me from evil like i would <laughs> go to their their little shows and i think it's just such a wonderful thing that that's like part of the culture yeah it's like definitely. local heroes who you know defend your your local grocer or whatever <laughs> it's really cute it is good I see anything to say against it. Like I would say like the episode where the executives went on vacation, I felt was like out of place compared to the rest of the show. Like despite it, obviously it had a low budget because it was in the last three, but I felt like up to this point in the show, like the, the show had played around with the situations that in many other anime would kind of turn etchy and then like, haha, surprise subverted. Like it didn't, uh, you know, like we're going somewhere with the executive and like, we have to share a room and you're like, okay, yeah. And he's like, Nope, I'm going to go find a different place to like, you know, it would be improper of me, according to our company, to do that or whatever. So they would always find some way to subvert it. In the executive episode, they just like went full tilt, like where you yeah. right where you expected it to go. And it was like, but why? Like you had a thing going. You didn't need nobody needed this. Yeah, it, it, it plays around. It plays around with kind of the etchy stuff. And it's like always dancing on that line of like, how serious are they being with it? And it occasionally, yeah, I feel tips a little too hard into the oh, we're actually doing this as opposed to making fun of things that do this. You know, it's it's that difficult line to walk with satire is that 
you have a you have a good chance of becoming the very thing you're trying to lampoon. Right. But that is the exception rather than the Oh, c- certainly, yeah. And also, I got to say, I felt bad for Wolfbait. Like Yeah, Wolfbait. Oh, like, poor Wolfbait. Wolfbait like I was done with that after like the first two gags. I was like, enough already. Yeah, right, because the initial setup, like, okay, we have budget constraints and the whims of our leadership meant that like we built a a like a female body that had a male brain in it. That's a little funny. But then like, could we just get him a male body, please? <laughs> or at least have people like respect the fact that, you know, he's a he. Right. Like it, it did get old relatively quickly and it's felt bad for him. Yeah. And again, some people some people are cool with it, but yeah, other folks just like yeah, play out the joke way too it's, much. Okay, it's super last out. thing, guys. Ultra shout out to Karen, the B story of this entire thing, Aww. who is a character oh, yeah. they introduce, and she ends up in this temp agency that temps as Putty Patrol effectively <laughs> for yeah. different villains, and so the poor girl just keeps getting dragged into these scenarios where she's like the cannon fodder against local heroes. And she's like, when will I ever have my day? And baby, she does. She does. The show gives her her moment in the sun at the end and solid. So Karen, you're my home girl. Great, great B story. A plus. Good for her. That's another, that's what we were talking about. How like any one of these like side stories could be a series on its own or at least like an OVA or something because they have actually done enough world building to make all of this stuff fascinating and fun. And I would love to see more and I genuinely hope we get a second season to explore that. Some would of be, that. that would be great. I would love that. Yep, good times. Highly recommended. Mm-hmm, yeah. All right. All right. I think that pretty much wraps us it up, doesn't us it? To it, does, the end. it does. Good season. It's a long one, despite not having that many shows to talk about. But true, I think true. we all came out mostly on top. Overall, yeah. Just like kick attack on Titan under a rug, subtly. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's okay. All right. Um, well, great. Uh, thanks for joining us. And we'll see you in the next core. Yeah. Bye. Bye-bye. This is a podcast by The Con Artists. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your Android podcast app of choice. For more anime and game-related content, please visit us online at theconartistsblog.com. Thanks for listening.